This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. going to bury the truth make sure it stays buried it's i know what you did last summer and this film is lit hello and welcome back to this film is lit the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books it's a return form uh oh wait this is this our first one since the summer series we've yeah. recorded so many things in the last couple weeks that yes, i forgot with bonus episodes and stuff <laughs> Fantastic. It's a return to our normal format. We have all of our segments, except for Lost in Adaptation. So let's get right into our first segment, which is always, let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. I know what you did last summer. The book. Julie James has just finished high school and been accepted to college when she receives an anonymous letter reading, I know what you did last summer. This sets off a chain of events that causes Julie to reunite with four former friends, three former friends, Helen, Barry, and her ex-boyfriend, Ray. Over the course of the novel, it is revealed that the foursome were involved in a hit-and-run the previous summer, and the young boy that they struck died. All four are now being stalked by someone who knows what they did and is bent on making them suffer for it. The antagonist torments them with, an, with anonymous letters and images and ultimately shoots Barry and tries to kill both Julie and Helen. Ray figures out that their stalker had a double identity and had been using both identities to get close to the girls. He arrives just in time to save Julie from being strangled. The attempted murderer is arrested and the teenagers come clean to the police about what they did last summer. All right, let's go ahead now, and I'm going to sum up the movie. Julie, Ray, Barry, and Helen are all archetypal high school seniors celebrating their final summer before college. On the 4th of July, while out joyriding, they accidentally hit a man walking across the road, and then, afraid to go to the police since there's alcohol in the car, they decide to dump the body and never talk about the event again. A year later, we rejoin our group, all dealing with the emotional trauma of keeping such a terrible secret, when Julie, the friend who is most adamant about going to the police and who has subsequently dealt with the guilt the worst, receives an anonymous letter declaring that someone still er, knows what they did last summer. As they try to figure out who the mysterious letter writer is, more and more people start to die at the hands of a hook-wielding phantom. Ultimately, Helen and Barry are murdered by the fishermen, and Julie discovers that they had actually hit, but not killed, the father of a girl who had died a year earlier in another accident with the person they thought they had hit and killed, and that it is that girl's father who is now seeking revengeance against them for hitting him and for hit-and-run victims everywhere, ostensibly. On a fishing boat, Julie and Ray are able to fend off uh, the, the hook-wielding murderer, and he is swept out to sea, seemingly dead. The end. 
roughly. Yeah, roughly. All right. We do have a guess who for the first time in a couple months, so let's go ahead and do that. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. All right. First up, her honey-colored hair was pulled back from her face and held in place with a ribbon, and the violet eyes were carefully shadowed and outlined to make them even lovelier. She was wearing a pale blue pantsuit with a scarf knotted at the throat. And just for fun, I have this description from the updated 2010 version. Mm, okay. When, when uh, the author updated it to be more current. Right. Her honey-colored hair was pulled back from her face and held in place with a gold band, and the violet eyes were carefully shadowed and outlined to make them even lovelier. She was wearing pale blue pants with a chunky crystal necklace at the throat. Mm, interesting. Uh, well, the only one with blonde hair that, you know, of, we have four main characters in the film. Uh, and, and of the two, one of them has blonde hair. The other one has dark hair. Uh, so that would be Sarah Michelle Geller's character, Helen. That is Helen. Crushed it. The pantsuit would be a look. Yeah, yeah, it would with the scarf <laughs> at the throat. Yeah, very nineteen seventy. I was about to say she actually probably wore something similar to that at some point in the Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, <laughs> she probably. was playing Daphne. <laughs> he was very tan. His light hair grew thick and long down over his ears, and his brows were bleached pale over his cat green eyes. He had grown a beard. It was short and stubby and looked as though it belonged on somebody else's face. Um, nobody has long hair that goes down over their ears, really. Uh, light, light hair. I mean, again, so of the two guys that are our leads, um, one of them has dark hair. One of them has light hair. And so assuming and his hair is a little bit longer than Freddie Prince Jr.'s, I guess. And maybe he could have grown it longer. I'm going to say that this is Barry. This is actually Ray. Yeah, it could have been been either of them. Her glance took in the brown eyes, brown hair, a strong square cut face, a medium sort of build. He was wearing conservative olive green swimming trunks cut like shorts. I guess I'll guess Barry again because I don't know who else it would be. This is actually my kind of red herring. This is the the villain in the book. Okay. So he's not wearing a raincoat. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, his jacket's green, kind of, I feel like, in the movie. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's always so dark. It's hard yeah, to tell. But I think it's kind of green, like in the day when we see it, because he's wearing like a fisherman's coat. All right. Uh, I did terribly, but that's fine. <laughs> I knew it was going to be <laughs> tough. Let's go ahead and find out. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So when we open up in the film, we open up on a a beauty contest that uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is taking part in, and it is called the Miss Croker Queen Contest. And I want to know if that's in the movie or in the book because I want to know what that is because their town is not their town's called like Southport or something. Yeah, I, don't I don't know what don't Croker know. Queen is, and also it doesn't seem like anything related to fish or. Like I was because it's a fishing village. I yeah. thought it would be something fish related or, sure. or, or you know, like uh, oyster related or something. But it's, I don't know what Croker Queen is. I have no idea either. Uh, this specific beauty contest is not in the book, 
But when we meet Jewel, uh, when we meet Helen in the book, she has recently won a beauty contest of sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, she submitted her picture to a contest and won, and now she is the Channel Five Golden Girl. Oh, okay. And her prize was basically a job at the TV station. Interesting. She like reads announcements and stuff on air. Okay. Hell of a way to get a job. Yeah. But no croaker queen. No. Whatever the heck she doesn't that is. get a crown either. Mm, yeah, the crown is rather important yeah. over the course of the film. Uh, so we're introduced to, obviously, we already talked about our four main characters a little bit. We'll talk about them more later. But one of the other characters who's a minor character uh, is a character named Max, who is played by Johnny Galecki, which most people would recognize from The Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. But he's been in plenty of other things. Uh, and he is Julie's friend, who um, the other, like, uh, Barry kind of picks on because Barry's like a jock and Max is like kind of a nerd. Uh, and... He's trying to ask out Julie before she leaves for the summer, but she's like, oh, we're such great friends. He's the friend-zoned nerd friend, and mm -hmm. I want to know if his character is from the book. It is not. I think this could potentially be a little bit of a nod to a character who pretends to be upset that Helen sort of strings him along. And he ends up being, like, the villain, so he wasn't actually upset about it, but maybe that's a nod to that mm, okay. in the book. I don't know. Could but be. that specific character is not from the book. This movie is full of all of our characters, as I said in the intro, or not the intro, but the sum the summary, are like the most stereotype versions yes. of like teen movie leads, basically. Yes. Pretty much. I mean, we have a beauty queen. Yeah, we have, we have a, like a jock, beauty queen popular girl, douchey jock guy. The, the bookish, like smart girl. Yeah. And then like the sensitive guy. Yeah, the nice guy. Who, yeah. But who's like still very handsome. Like yes. Yeah. And then we have the the friend zoned nerd guy. Uh so uh after the the big of uh, the, the the beauty contest and and the party that they're at, they go and have like a little bonfire. On the beach, and they sit around telling the world's oldest campfire story, literally the only campfire story I think I've ever heard, ever. Uh, and that's the one about the guy with the hook hand and the couple in the car. And then they hear the sound, and they look out, and finally, eventually, at the end, they you know, they drive away, but then when they get home, they, they find the hook mm -hmm. hanging on the, the door handle or whatever. And I want to know if that... I mean, obviously, it makes sense for this movie because we end up with a character who uses an ice, like an ice hook thing yeah. um, to kill people. And so I wanted to know if that, if they tell the world's oldest campfire story. No, they don't. But I did enjoy that scene in the movie. I thought it was a fun way to remind the audience about that urban legend and like the different iterations. Yeah, of it. they're like arguing over the right way to tell it and yeah. stuff, which was kind of interesting. Sort of like priming <clears throat> us for what's to come. Yeah. Uh, so then they go after this. They're they're going home, and uh, Barry or Barry's too drunk to drive, but it's his car. Um, but Ray ends up driving, uh, and while they're driving, Barry's like, "Woo!" and he gets out of the sunroof or moonroof or whatever, um, and he's like drinking and like, and he ends up dropping his bottle, and and that's what distracts Ray, and that is why they hit the the guy on the road mm -hmm. and i want to know if it's barry being a drunk asshole is the reason that they hit and kill a person or seemingly kill a person no uh in the book they say that they've all had some beer and a little weed 
uh, but none of them are like causing a big drunk ruckus in the cars. So it's just like driving just impaired general, in general. Impaired driving. Interesting. Yeah. I think I, and we'll talk about it a little bit more even right here, but I think I prefer the movie's version based on what you've said. I think, and I'm sure you'll get to it later, but I. I like the the dynamic of all of the events taking place and the different characters mm-hmm. and like how it's like clearly Barry's fault basically, but he blames it on everybody else. And then, it, so my next note then is the whole scenario about why they don't, after they hit this guy, why they don't go to the cops. Um, I wanted to know if it happened similarly because I thought it actually in the movie felt very believable. Like initially they they're, they're going to, but then Barry's like, Oh, but I, I'm drunk and Ray's like, well, I was driving and he's like, well, they won't believe that because it's my car. And then he's like, plus there's like alcohol because he spilled it all over inside the car. And they're like, plus it's um, there's alcohol everywhere. Uh, and I, I at one point, Freddie does say that they'd all go down for manslaughter, which I don't think that's accurate. But apart from that, I thought that this scene worked really well. And I wanted to know how similar it was to the book. It's fairly similar. Um, Barry freaks out because actually he was the one driving Mm. in the book and he's also the only one who's 18 at the time. So he like freaks out and says that the rest of them will get off and he'll get charged as an adult. Yeah. Um, and similar to the movie though, Barry is like the driving force that gets them all to not take responsibility for what they did. Yeah. I liked the fact, I think the movie changing it to where Ray's driving and so he feels responsible even though it was barry's fault adds an extra dynamic that makes it i don't know yeah i I agree yeah yeah. the kind of order of events there i think is a little bit more interesting than what happens in the book yeah uh so and then they're they got they're they're, they decide all right we're gonna take this body and dump it in the in the ocean and they take it down to the, the the shore and it's a string of great decisions. So here. many good decisions in a row. <laughs> but they're gonna throw it in. But right at the last second, as they're throwing the body in, he just like wakes up <laughs> and is like grabs well, he grabs the crown off of uh uh Helen's head, her 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 croaker queen crown or whatever. <laughs> Oof, that's tough to say. And I was like, this is stupid. This is my least favorite part of the movie, I thought, because he just is, like, alive and fine, or maybe not fine. I don't know. I couldn't tell what his... Like, it's the most... This part, and then there's some others, like, it gets a little more campy, like, slasher movie, but the setup up until this point feels really believable, and then this moment, it's like, ugh. Like, it's so silly Mm -hmm. um, that it kind of took me out of the moment a little bit, uh, because I just... I was, like, into, like, the just the drama and how, like how nightmarish of a situation they were in. And I wanted to know if their victim like comes back, reanimates and tries to attack them. So in the book, they don't hit a random fisherman. They actually hit a little boy riding a bike mm. um, and they don't try to hide the body. They like hit him and they just like keep driving and then anonymously call 911 from a payphone down the road. And then they find out later that the kid died. Okay. So it was quite a bit different. Yeah, it's quite a bit different. There's not any element of like trying to hide the body. Yeah. They just basically run away from the scene of the crime. Okay. Is there a, uh, cause when they leave the pier after they finally do get the body in and the guy seemingly drowns or is dead, whatever, and they run off, they, we get a, a shot that lingers on a necklace that we saw this guy playing with in the opening shot of the film. 
and uh and it's like oh there's gonna be this you know they didn't wrap up all the loose ends Mm -hmm. and i want to know if there was anything like that with the other character about like this likes you know this little thing that they didn't think didn't know about didn't think of and that's what ends up kind of doing them in i don't even know if in the movie it ultimately is what does them in it's not really no it's no not, it's not because the guy's just alive yeah he's just alive but it, it's in the movie it's just there so that at the end when we see the guy with it it's it sort of signifies who and who he is and yeah and connects those things but initially well, it feels it's kind like of a red herring for us too because we think that like kind of solidifies this idea in our mind that they killed the guy we saw at the beginning right with the necklace yeah yeah and it also um it does it it, it sets up it, it 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 is a red herring too in the sense that it sets up like we think that's going to be a thing that somehow like is you mm-hmm. know the police or something who knows like it's it's a classic sort of this kind of movie thing where they're you know they take care of everything but then there's one little yeah, piece of evidence that they, they didn't forgot. see or whatever and I, yeah um there's nothing exactly like that i will say though that the way the antagonist ultimately finds out who was responsible for this hit and run is because julie after it happened anonymously sent flowers to the family Mm. and she sent like a bunch of yellow roses like tons and tons of these yellow roses so the guy goes to the flower shop and asks about it and the the girl the flower shop is like yeah i remember that it was really weird (laughs) that's like is able to tell him who did it that's actually the flowers yeah that's a really interesting that actually is almost that's a pretty interesting little twist compared to the movie. In the movie, we find out ultimately that it's just I mean, he saw them because he didn't yeah. die. So he right. knew who it he's was. not even he's, dead. He's not dead, which is uh, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll talk about the end. Uh, uh, and it obviously it's spoiled from the uh, your, your summation. But uh, the classic, you know, the classic moment where Julie gets the I know what you did last summer letter. I assume, not I assume, I know, but like how similar Mm -hmm. is that to the book? Exactly the same. Uh, She gets it in the mail, or her mom gives it to her, um, and it just says, I know what you did last summer in like big black blocky capital letters. Yeah. Sounds like in the movie or in the book, and maybe you'll talk about this more later, but it sounds like in the book it's like the opening almost as opposed to like in the movie we get it, you know, it's like our first act. Yeah, the book's uh, story structure is more nonlinear than the yeah. movies is, which I'll talk about. Okay. Uh, do we have this, the whole boy thing sure have changed moment in the movie after we get the the big, you know, she gets the letter and then she's got to go reach out to all of her friends. It's been a year that, you know, it's, it's now the summer of the next year. And uh, they're kind of getting the gang back together and like everybody's Barry and Helen broke up. Helen was went to New York, but now she's back working in a store because things didn't work out there. Julie's flunking out of college. Ray and Julie broke up like all of these things Mm -hmm. transpired off screen and we're kind of finding out about them. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's not I liked. I liked seeing like without sort of just coming. I liked how the movie just jumps without really explaining anything like it doesn't really give us any passage of time mm-hmm. or like we don't get like a title card that says like one year later or what at least i don't remember there being a time yeah, no, i don't think we just jumped to college and then see julie and she looks terrible and then we go from there and i liked like sort of just without dwelling on it or like um 
again without showing us it just like all of a sudden we see how much has changed in a year and how what what the fallout from the single event has been yeah. seemingly yeah so this I, I think is similar in spirit helen and barry are still together both of their lives are going fairly well in the book okay. um but so they're like still together but barry has kind of lost interest in her and doesn't really want to be dating her anymore mm-hmm. uh, ray took off to california for a year um, and then he has, like, just now come back to town. Julie is kind of the opposite, but also the same. Because in the book, she wasn't, like, super studious at first. Yeah. But then she starts taking school extremely seriously because she wants to go to college as far away as possible. Yeah. But the movie does nail that she's, like, the most affected by it. Like, she withdraws, loses weight abandons previous interests Mm -hmm. all a bunch of like classic symptoms of depression right yeah uh so the ice hook uh we this is eventually we get to the point this is the moment where we see uh max get murdered in the movie and he's immediately set up as the villain potentially as like he's Mm -hmm. kind of set up as a red herring as the uh the villain but then is immediately murdered by some mysterious man with a, a giant uh ice hook um, and I wanted to know if the sort of because it's the very it's it's what it's this movie's, you know, uh, machete for Jason or mm-hmm. uh, Freddy Krueger's glove. It's it's the the it's, slasher yeah. movie, uh, the slasher villains weapon of choice. And I want to know if that comes from the book. It does not. There is no hook handed man in the book. Does the friend zone guy get set up as a red? Well, there is no friend zone. Yeah. guy. Is there anybody set up as a red herring and then murdered like immediately? Um. No. <laughs> Does anybody die? No. <laughs> I knew that. When I was doing research, I found out that like nobody does. Yeah, it's like no, the biggest nobody, change. Nobody dies uh, in the book. And we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but the author was not a fan of them deciding to make this a slasher movie. Yeah. She was like, nope, that's not what I was doing. Please don't do that. Uh, so then the 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 villain goes after uh, at one point, Barry's like working out in a gym and then he he leaves and he gets a guy in a car, which looks like his car. It's like the yeah. same make and model. It's a BMW or whatever, like runs him down and drives him through a wall and then uh, like walks up and stands over him. And then we just cut and Barry's in the hospital. And I was like, what? Why didn't he kill him? Uh, and I wanted to know if that played out because if it or anything like that happened, I wanted to know. And if not, we can just talk about it and try to figure out why he didn't kill him in that moment. So... Barry does not get run over in the book. He gets shot Mm. at one point, but he survives. Um, And we think for a while that he's going to be like paralyzed from the waist down. Um, But by the end of the book, he seems to be like regaining some of the use of his legs. Yeah. Um, So probably going to be fine for the most part. Yeah. Now in the book, it, it is revealed that the antagonist meant to kill him. Oh, in okay. that moment like that was his intention yeah. shooting him was to kill him but then he's like but actually paralyzing him might be even better because mm. he was like a big football star and right. whatever yeah athletic guy in the movie maybe just to like maybe unnerve the others yeah just as as more to play with them or yeah. what, that's the only thing that makes any sense but he's just standing right over him with the hook and then he and then it cuts and it's just like so he just left him there yeah and i also think it's potentially 
supposed to be a little bit of a red herring to the audience to make you go, well, why didn't he kill him? Like, mm-hmm. there's got to be, like, is Barry, like, in on it? Or, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like maybe that's a little bit of what the movie's going for because I found it very weird. <laughs> it's like, why is... Why does he not kill him? But he does. I mean, he does like kind of cat and mouse play with them yeah. for a while because he could have killed Helen too. Right. He's in her bedroom yes. that night that he cuts her hair. Yeah, could have very easily dispatched with her. Yeah. Speaking of that, that was my next question: is whether or not uh, Helen wakes. It. So she's a beauty queen, uh, and she we, we see the the hook handed man go into her room. Yeah. Or into her house. And then hides in her closet. Hides in her closet. Which is why you should always check your closet before you go to bed it's true boys and girls um but then she wakes up the next morning and we're you know that we're obviously worried he's gonna murder her, but then she wakes up the next morning and her her hair has been cut kind of kind of <laughs> like it looks a lot worse than it is at first yeah like on her later, bed it's like hair everywhere yeah there's like hair everywhere and it looks kind of like choppy and yeah um but then later on she just like cuts off a few inches of it and it looks, and it looks fine. fine yeah i was like what they didn't it didn't do anything to her I, it, it was silly um but i want to know if that that moment uh of hacking off that felt like something because again knowing that nobody actually dies in the book that mostly is just like the the person is like just messing with them and like mm-hmm. and whatnot and like exacting revenge um i thought this felt like something that could have been in the book it is not, hmm. but actually, I really liked this part in the movie. Mm-hmm. Helen is similarly very vain, maybe even more so in the book than she is in the yeah. movie. And I thought it made sense to take something from her that she valued above everything else. Yeah, no, it does make a lot of sense. It doesn't. Again, it's a little. It it's, the, it falls a little flat because it ends it up just, not. It looks fine, it looks and like fine. her hair looks fine. And again, even it's in just that, a little. It's even not even that, short. It's no, just a little shorter than yeah, it was. It's so weird. I was like, well, I feel like that. I get what you're going for, but it didn't. I didn't quite work. I don't know. Um, yeah, because then she's wearing a hat in the next scene, but but then literally, like she goes to the parade the next day, and her hair looks fine. Yeah, or whatever. It's, it's just, just a few like, inches shorter. Okay. Uh, so, uh, at one point, Julie's driving her car and she hears a noise in the trunk uh, and she gets out of the car and, and runs around and opens the trunk and inside it's full of crabs and Max's body is there with crabs coming out of his mouth. And then she runs to go get, uh, like Ray and I don't remember mm-hmm. who else comes, everybody else, the other people and they show up and then the trunk's empty and that was dumb. I, the, it's a great. I, there wasn't enough time for him to take all of. Because when we see that shot, it's it's a rotting body and a bunch of crabs in the trunk. And then when she opens the trunk again, it's just like a perfectly dry, clean yeah. trunk. And I'm like, wait, what? That makes no sense. Uh, I wanted to know if that scene was in the book. It's not. The, okay. Nothing like that happens in the book. It's a creepy moment, but the fact that they then are like, oh, and now it's not there, and it's it's like, wait, was it? Did she hallucinate? Yeah, it? Like, like maybe it's supposed to make us question her sanity. I, I don't. Guess. I don't know. That's the only thing that makes any sense. Because yeah, I. But but it doesn't go anywhere. Like Mm-mm. the fact that she maybe is like hallucinating or something doesn't really. There's nothing else happens with that. No. no pay, like no. But that's the only thing that makes sense is that it was a hallucination because there's no there's just no way. Yeah, that, there's the trunk's not even wet. No. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It, it's it's silly. It is silly. And then there's so we talked about uh, oh and right after this then she's so she's all freaked out because she's like what is going on and she and this is a very classic scene uh, that um, 
uh, not another teen movie. I think it was not another, no scary movie. One of the scary movies parodied where she runs out in the street and she's like, "What are you waiting for? I'm right here." That thing. Mm-hmm. I want to. And the camera pulls back, big crane shot. I want to know if that moment's from the book. It's not. No. Boo. <laughs> So we talked about the parade. Helen ends up in the parade. She has to go, like, because she was last year's queen or whatever. Um, And Barry's like, it's all right. I'll protect you. I'll come protect you. And then he just sits on the front of the float as they're going down. And he just, like, keeps looking at her. And he's, like, staring around. But he's, like, covered in bruises and, and, like, injuries. And I'm like, I feel like they wouldn't just let this random guy sit I mean, I guess it's not a random guy, but like, I feel like still they'd be like, no, he can't sit like, on the you're float. Not, you're not in this parade. <laughs> no, sir. You also look terrifying. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I wanted to know if it, that anything of that kind of moment. Happens. No, okay. no, there, there's no parade or anything. In that the made me chuckle. I was like, that's dumb. Also, by the way, once I finally figured out what their names were, because for the longest time in my notes, I just called them like Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. And then finally they said their names enough that I remembered them because they're very easy to remember names because their names are Barry, Helen, Julie and Ray. And I was like this. I bet these are their names in the books because those are the most 70s names. <laughs> like they're not like th- those names didn't come from the, you know, the 2005 script or whatever. Like no, 97. Sorry, 97. Yeah, yeah I still I still Helen and and Barry <laughs> and Barry and ray were are not like mid 90s teen names yeah those are their names in the book yeah those are such 70s names uh, at the parade barry uh sees a guy in a in a in a slicker is what they call it like the fish fisherman jacket thing uh, and he runs down and tackles him and does this happen in the book because if mm-hmm. not i want to talk about the other part of it no this okay. doesn't. because then he tackles him and then he he pulls his he's got like a big like the, the like fisherman hat that like yeah. covers most of his head and Barry like tackles him and then rips the hat off and looks at it and it's like it's an old guy and he's like oh it's not him and I'm like well, do you How don't do you know, know what he looks like could be anyone yeah I was like wait and now the only thing I could think is that they at this point they think he's the same age as the guy they hit yeah or they think it's like Barry, that blue guy, they think it's, yeah, they think maybe it's somebody around the same, uh, like who was in guy. the grade yeah. with him, so they think it must be like uh, in yeah. his late 20s or whatever. But they don't know that, but they don't know that for sure. And I still found it silly that he's just like, Well, it's clearly not him. I'm like, well, maybe you should ask him a couple questions, like, <laughs> why are you standing at this parade, just leering at people in a full, like, <laughs> I know well, yeah, you're in a fishing then, like, town, but it's, we, we cut back to the parade, and there's like a ton of guys yeah. wearing the slicker and the yeah. hat, yeah. Just at the parade, yeah, which I dumb. I don't just, know, like maybe maybe since it's like a town pride thing, maybe they would go to the parade in their and, slickers and, and hats. like uh, I guess it's possible that they would go to the parade in like the jacket, like if they were working on the docks and they just yeah. like moseyed over to the parade to watch or whatever. But I feel like they wouldn't have the hats on and be but like, it, oh, it seems a little silly. It's a little silly. And then, like, yeah, we get this like whole scene where they we where we keep cutting to different guys in this raincoat and hat, and I'm like, we keep dismissing all of these people dressed as the murderer, but yeah. we don't know what the murderer looks yeah. like. Yeah, like, so it could be any it of could them. Be any of them. Uh, ultimately, the parade ends, and we're we're doing the 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 pageant now. Um, this year's pageant, and. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Helen has to sit on stage and kind of like, you know, be the the previous queen sitting there kind of watching everything. I could never do that. I could not control my face. And Barry is up in the uh, in the balcony watching her 
or like watching the show and he's like i'll look out for you and i'll sit up in the balcony and then she looks up and sees a guy come after barry and grab him and like attack him in the balcony and she runs up there and gets a cop and then they're he's just gone yeah and it's it's a fun scene but i wanted and like you know but she's yelling to like at people to go up there but like the the, the contestants like singing karaoke so nobody can hear her. um and i wanted to know i liked that scene i wanted to know if it was in the book no, there's nothing like that in the book, but I liked that scene, too. I thought it was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he disappears so quickly, but whatever. This he's movie's very, not... He's a very fast fisherman. Yeah, this movie's really not concerned with, like... Physics? Physi- or like, like, just like making things... Anything that makes sense. The reality of how much reali- time oh, it takes and how to, things, and to move. And... The reality of just how anything works. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, man, it's a, it's a slasher movie. Who cares? We don't care. Um, then, uh, Helen ends up at, uh, she's running from, well, the cop takes her, tries to take her home. Cop ends up getting murdered by mm-hmm. the, the guy. And then she ends up getting out of a cop, breaking out of the cop car and running. And she runs to the store that her and her sister work at. And, uh, her sister lets her in and her sister gets murdered. Uh, who's played by the, the woman from, uh, uh, the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> Oh, I didn't one of the Adam know her Sandler. From anything. Movie. I, anyway, that's she's in one of the Adam Sandler movies. I think it's um, Billy Madison. I think the one where he goes back to school. She's the teacher. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, it's her, and she gets murdered, and then uh, Helen is like, you know, like getting chased around this this department store, and she uh, they have mannequins everywhere because it's like a department store, and they they cover the mannequins at night, I guess, or maybe I they guess. were going to paint or something. I Who don't knows? know, or like uh, whatever. But the mannequins are all covered in like plastic tarps, and it's obvious what's going to happen. But you know, the guy's like pretending to be a mannequin and jumps on her. Yeah, and does that happen in the book? No, it doesn't. I had kind of mixed feelings on this one because like they basically had to do it. Yeah. Once they put the once mannequins they put the in mannequins there. there, and then ended up yeah. But I was one hundred percent expecting it. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was funny that the killer then immediately got tangled up in the plastic He's like, sheet ah. and like couldn't chase her. Yeah. He played himself. He did. He really did. Uh, so ultimately, the story we find out is that Willis. So I'm trying to remember their names. And I explained it in the beginning. But um, the guy they thought they hit and killed is a guy named like David Egan. Yeah. Who was like a 28 year old. Um, that's who they thought they hit and killed. And they found out through research that he had been in a car accident a year before and that his girlfriend had died in that car accident. And they thought that he was there that night, maybe to kill himself or whatever, just hang out, you know, that, and we saw him and he's the guy we see in the opening shot. Mm -hmm. And they, 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 so they think they hit and killed because his body ends up getting found. So they think it's him that they hit and killed. Uh, but then it turns out that it's actually... Um, this guy named Willis who killed Egan, and that's why Egan's body was found is because this guy named Willis killed him. Right, and then and uh, that's why Willis was out there, and that's that why night Willis too. was out there that night. And they hit Willis, and then Willis killed Egan because his daughter died. Like because because, because I think the story was that like Egan was indirectly responsible for his daughter's death. Yeah, because, like, like because he was driving he or whatever. The car yeah. accident, and she didn't. She didn't. Yeah. Um, and then so then Willis starts coming after them because they run him over. And again, I, the motivation being revenge slash he's he's got a vendetta against hit and run drivers I, or, or people I, who, who who are, you know, I, he's, in car he just accidents. seems like he just seems like a vengeful kind of guy. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Like if you do him any type of wrong, he's going to seek vengeance on yep. you. 
and and random people like Johnny Galecki had nothing to do yeah. with any what of this. Wait, the cop? Yeah. What did the cop do? Nothing at all. And so, but then, but so I want to know if any of that is the ultimate, like what, like who the murderer is in the book. Is any of that similar? No. Well, no, it's a little boy. You said. Yeah. No, so. it's a little boy. Um, the the murderer or attempted murderer in the book, I guess, is it ends up being the little boy's um half brother, like his uh, older okay. half brother. That makes sense. I mean, as soon as you said it was a little kid. I was like, it's probably like his dad or his brother or yeah. something, like somebody related to the little kid, which I, I mean, is similar. It's a, it's a relation to the right one of the victims, but not the victim of the person they it's, killed. It's a little convoluted. It, it, yeah. And I see what the movie was trying to do by like setting up. Yeah. We think it was one person, yeah. but oh, it was actually another person. But it is like a little bit convoluted. And that's my next question is I wanted to know if the book is solvable because this movie, when we were getting towards the end, I was like, and then once the reveal happens, I was like, and I think it's the biggest weakness of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you never could have figured that out. Mm-mm. There was never enough information no. supplied that you no, could have no, 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 possibly. No figured out who the murderer was like this is the movie's plot it ends up being like complete unsolvable nonsense it's fun nonsense and that's like you know full of weird silly twists and turns but it, there's no way you could have been like ah that's who the killer is you know because the whole time you're trying to figure it out like i wonder who the killer like you think right. you're gonna be able to figure it out and it's just not there's no way there's literally no way i don't know how you could possibly you would have to just guess and get lucky you have to create you, a crazy would, story. Yeah, you would have to get incredibly lucky because we're this character. We're not aware. Not, yeah. We're not even aware of this character until the yeah. very end. And that's why I was hoping it was going to at least be somebody we had seen before. Yeah. Like, I wish they had done And I think if they had the way to do this movie, to tweak it slightly to make it work a little bit better, is introduce the Willis guy at least at some point as like a fisherman on the boat with Ray or something yeah. like something. And, and, and he mentions that his daughter, like even if it's the throwaway line about like Ray's like, Oh yeah, his daughter died last year or something. That's yeah. just something, something so that we have any possible hint <laughs> that like, cause he just comes out of nowhere. And that was the thing I was most disappointed at in the film. Um, cause other, apart from that, it's fun. But yeah. so is the book solvable or is the book equally like just, oh, OK, I never could have got that. The book is totally solvable. Uh, so the villain in the book has a double identity, which I mentioned, uh, one that is dating Julie and another that is flirting with Helen. Mm-hmm. And I read that as a fun fact for the prequel. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, it was the fun fact about like um, she overheard her daughter talking with her friend about a boy. And they both like came to realize that they were talking about mm-hmm. the same boy. Oh yeah, yeah. You did, and yeah. I was like, I don't know how that factors in yet. Yes, that's right. You're right. Yeah. But as soon as I read that fun fact, I knew which two characters oh, yeah. it would end up being. But I think even if I hadn't read that, I would have figured it out eventually that like they were the same guy, just maybe not as quickly. Right. Um, Duncan uses similar but not identical language to describe both men. So you can totally catch on if you're paying attention. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, and that I that's my biggest complaint because it's it's really disappointing in a movie. And now this is a slasher movie, not like a whodunit. But yeah. it is also a whodunit. Like, yeah. Or like you're, the whole point is they're trying to figure out who's coming after them and you're trying to figure out with them who's. Because that's like the same thing in Scream, which I've actually never seen Scream. But from 
what I understand, that's like the same premise. You know, there's a guy in a mask, a person in a mask killing people. They're like, mm. who is this? It's one of our friends or it's somebody we know. We don't. And like the fact that you just can't have gotten it, like you can't have cracked the mystery is dumb. Like that's disappointing. That's, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so then we get to the big climax of the film, which takes place on a fishing boat. And uh, it's I thought that was a fun location, like a, a unique fun location. Yeah, it's interesting. For a final, you know, sort of climactic uh, kind of confrontation between our our protagonist and our antagonist. And the movie actually uses it to pretty effective like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, too, because I have to assume that the majority of people watching this movie have probably never been on a fishing boat like that so it's kind of interesting like you're not expecting it you don't know like where all they can go and what they're going to be able to do so it's very interesting yeah i thought and and the movie does a good job of utilizing all the different parts of it Mm -hmm. and and different like she goes into the the ice storage area like where they store the fish and everything and uh and it's funny because you know that's the other thing is show this movie came out before like uh deadliest catch was a big thing so i think then people would have been a little bit more familiar with like because like that's you you see the the big ice like cargo hold on those boats and stuff well I, they use water it's not ice i think because they just throw the crabs in water but either way it, it, yeah I, I thought that was interesting i want to know if that came from the book no it doesn't there are no boats in okay. this book oh uh, does it not take place in like a fishing town no oh, okay. just a, a, a normal little town yeah uh, it's kind of a two-part climax in the book sort of there's a big scene in helen's apartment where he tries to kill her and she ends up like getting away from him. Uh, and then the final climax is outside of Julie's house, okay. which is not super interesting. Yeah. Uh, is anything about the climax at all similar? Ray does show up just in the nick of time to okay. save Julie. Okay. And he does thunk him on the head with a heavy object. It there works better in the book than it does. He doesn't get right back up. That was dumb. Like in, the movie. in the movie. So in the movie, he <laughs> swings a gigantic metal like pulley yeah. uh, system into the guy's face. And then the guy just gets back up like 30 seconds. I was like, no, his face is, his nose is broken. He's probably dead. If not, he's got a <laughs> massive concussion. Uh, but but it's a it's a slasher movie. Our guy's like borderline supernatural yeah. villain. So, uh, and he's also definitely still alive, probably. So, uh, which is my my final question: uh, Do we get sequel bait in the book? Where in the movie Julie uh, she is now returned to college? It would seem, um, and she's kind of like showering, and she walks out, and she finds a letter that says, uh, or no, not not a letter. She sees a letter, but it ends up being nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, but she walks back into the shower and written like in the steam and the glass, it says, or maybe it's blood. I can't. No, it's in the steam. Yeah. It says, I still know. And then uh, something comes crashing through the glass and yeah. that's where it cuts and we don't know what it is or whatever. Um, I want to know if we get any of the sequel bait. No, no sequel bait. Uh, the villain gets arrested at the end. Okay. It's very he self-contained. Doesn't get mysteriously story. or, you know, drug into the depths of the ocean, never to be seen again. Maybe dead, maybe not. No. Okay. All right. That was all of my questions. Like I said, I didn't have a lost an adaptation. I probably could have, but I was worried that it wasn't going to be similar enough. Mm. I kind of had some mini lost in adaptations throughout the, the was that in the book. Uh, but we're going to get to Katie's section and talk about what she thought was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. I preferred the book's method of um, storytelling, nonlinear storytelling. The book starts with the summer after Mm -hmm. and then throughout drops details about what happened 
the summer before last summer. Yeah. Um, and for me that builded that built mystery and anticipation better than telling the story in a linear fashion. Yeah. I think that is interesting. Like it doesn't not work. In no, the movie. I think the movie does work. It just does. T- it, those are just two different. Yeah. It, it kind of does two, two different, different methods. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, like I, I enjoyed the nonlinear style of yeah. the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I get that. I, I think the thing that, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if somebody like re edit because you could very easily re edit the movie to follow. Oh yeah, you could. You definitely you could just could. And, and maybe somebody has, but you could just re edit the movie like without shooting anything different, probably to follow sort of a, mm-hmm. a non linear version where we open up with like the letter. Uh, and I would be interested to see how that affected like how we felt about the characters because I wonder if it. I don't know. I would be interested to see the movies, uh, the movie done in that version or yeah, like in that interesting in that style. Yeah. This is a little thing, um, but we do meet Helen's parents in the book. We see her dad briefly and he doesn't seem like that great of a guy in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just like checked out in front of the TV with a beer. But we meet both of her parents in the book and there's a very sweet moment between them that I actually liked a lot. So... Something I liked in the book. This is something that's very different between the book and the movie. Yeah. But I liked the book's method of the villain having a double identity Mm -hmm. and using that to get close to some of the characters. Yeah. I thought that was very insidious and creepy. Yeah. It's like this idea that you don't really know the people you meet. Yeah. No, I think that is really interesting. And I'm sure I know it's I'm trying. I feel like in my back of my mind, I have a, a memory of a movie like a, a horror movie thriller that did that exact thing. Mm-hmm. And then like two characters realize that the they're both like talking about the same person. And that yeah. that per- I feel like I've seen that and I just can't place where or what from, um, but it is a creepy idea. And I, I do like that. And I think it's interesting too, because like if Julie and Helen, like they weren't like super great friends to begin with in the book, it's not really like it is in the movie. Yeah. But if they had been better friends and like maintained that more, the whole thing would have been for naught. Yeah. For the for the villain. Yeah. Because they would have talked to each other about it and realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last note here is that in the movie they never have to take responsibility for their actions, which is kind of the whole point yeah. of the story yeah. in the book. Like the movie literally has them continue to lie yeah. and say that they don't know why the killer would yeah, be targeting. They're, like, they're like, I have no idea why he would be targeting us. Yeah. I mean, you like, can, and I guess you, you could make the argument that it ultimately doesn't matter in the movie. Yeah. Because they didn't actually kill him. And now right. he's seemingly dead for real. That is true. It is a different there's nothing there's less to take resp- i mean they still should they, they, it's, they, like yeah. they still but they still they still did a wrong yeah they still did a bad <laughs> yeah um i guess the only other thing you could say is that it, the movie was probably planning for a sequel yes absolutely and, and, and so having that having them not yeah complete that sort of arc um leaves it going for the second one yeah so. no i agree All right, let's go ahead now and find out what Katie thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. 
So I mentioned this a second ago, but I liked that Julie and Helen seemed to be closer friends than they are in the book. In general, it, it seemed like they're all kind of better friends in the movie, whereas in the book, Ray and Barry are friends, and that's kind of why they all hang out together. Yeah. And I love female friendship representation. <laughs> yeah. So also mentioned this, but I thought it was interesting in the movie that this is like a way more serious crime. Yeah. That they're committing, like not just the hit and run, but they're actively covering up a crime. Yes. No. Yeah. The I mean, they're throwing a body in the ocean. And, yeah. And then ultimately Barry like punches the guy and like, <laughs> like steals the crime. Yeah. There's much more, much more going on than it's like, oh, we hit something. Keep driving. Yeah. Which is still bad, but yeah. I thought it made way more sense in the movie that Helen didn't get what she wanted and ultimately failed at like her life plan to go be an actress in the book. She's just getting everything she wants when we meet her. She's yeah. kind of insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that again. I like that when we, when we come back to all of them a year later, like her, everything is going poorly for yes. everybody pretty much. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's more interesting than what the book does. I also liked the movies changes to Barry He's still an obnoxious douche who was like the popular cool jock guy in mm -hmm. high school. But the movie's version obviously cares about his friends. Yeah. And he puts it all on the table trying to help Helen before he dies, even though they aren't like together anymore. Yeah. I also liked that Helen in the movie is not still desperately clinging to Barry. In the book, like I said, they're like still together, but... He's getting bored with her. Mm -hmm. He's like, Ugh, she's clingy and like wants to get married. And I want to sow my wild oats <laughs> yeah. and whatever. Um, he treats her like garbage and she's still like making hard eyes at him all the time. Yeah. And it was just very hard to read at times. I enjoyed that the movie gave us more red herrings than the book did. Uh, there's red herrings with Max, with Elsa, um, with Missy. Elsa is like a little bit of a red herring in the book. It's suggested that maybe she could be the one sending yeah. the letters because she is really jealous of Helen. But I feel like it's much more so in the movie. Yeah. Like there's a moment where I was like, oh, Elsa could actually yeah. be the killer. Yeah. Elsa's the her sister. Yeah. Right? Helen's yeah. sister. And then Missy's the sister of, of David, David Egan, Egan right? who died. Yeah. And Haitian, the film. Uh, speaking of Elsa, I was glad that the movie killed her because she was a straight bitch in the book. I hated her. She was horrible. Yes. And I didn't even like Helen in the book, but Elsa made me feel bad for Helen. I was like, <laughs> it sucks that your sister's such a bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> and my last note here was an iconic exchange at the end of this movie between Ray and Julie. Ray is like, I love you. And Julie says, I understand your pain. <laughs> uh, Which might be the best response to I love you that I've ever it's heard. Pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty rough. That's a tough one. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. got, got yeah, that was <laughs> oof. Oof. All right. Uh, this is a, di uh, we have a different <laughs> title for our next segment. Katie, what's this next segment? This next segment is the movie utilized these elements because <laughs> okay. it didn't really nail anything. Right. 
I mean, it used the same names of the four main characters, so I guess it nailed that. But there were some, like, random elements that it pulled from the book and used. Okay. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. We talked about earlier how the four main characters are all kind of like archetypes or typical teen character tropes, and I thought that the movie did a good job of updating those to like a new decade. Yeah. Because it, it is the same in the book. They're they're like the four kind of the same tropes. Yeah. So I thought we did a good job with updating that. They do have an argument about coming clean about the whole thing while Barry lies in a hospital bed after being grievously injured. Okay. Uh, it's just Ray and Barry in the book, yeah. but similar idea. Two characters do go and scope out the victim's family, but it's Julian Ray in the book. They do meet the sister and she is kind of an oversharer. <laughs> More so in the book. Yeah. Um, she just kind of like spills her guts unprompted yeah. in the book, um, which I thought was interesting. There's no ominous vibes with yeah. her in the book like there are in the, like they are in the movie, so she's not that much of a red herring. Yeah. Helen does bust open a window and crawl out in an effort to escape the killer, which she does in the cop car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also... At the, it's the same event in the book. She busts out a second story window and like throws herself out of it. But she does both of those things at separate times mm. in the movie. She does bust out a window and yep. she does throw herself out of another window. So mm, Indeed she does. All right. We've got a few odds and ends to get to before we get to the final verdict. So right off the bat, huge plus for me with this movie was that it was only an hour 40. Yeah. (laughs) Movies need to be shorter. Mm -hmm. That's my lukewarm take. It's not a hot take. A lot of people agree with me. Movies should be shorter. I'm tired of going to have to and having to sit through three hour movies. (laughs) My bladder can't handle it. I'm 32. Uh. (laughs) It's not fun. So my first thing is the movie starts playing and the the production the production company uh like graphic logo starts playing and I was like oh that's what Shelby's tweet meant because I saw Shelby like tweeting about the movie and she said there's a tiger in this movie and I was like wait what and it's just the <laughs> opening production company's like logo but it's, it does look like it looks yeah, like it the does start of the seem movie like the start of the movie at first you're like wait a second what is going on yeah but anyway. And then moving forward from that, I loved the opening titles because I could already feel the 1990s just mm-hmm. washing over me. Yeah. The look, the music, the font, all of it. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we get the opening shot that Ebert was talking about where he said the best shot of the movie is the opening shot. And at first I was like, oh, it's just like a helicopter shot across the ocean. But then it does actually, it is a pretty cool shot because it keeps going in and in and it circles around and we see the the curve like the turn where they end up hitting Mm -hmm. the guy kind of and the music music becomes ominous in that moment when we see the curve and then uh it even pushes in further and i don't know if this is all like an actual shot or if there's any sort of weird like um compositing or cg here because then it it loops around and then we push into a guy sitting on the cliff and it was really it was impressive and i wasn't sure if it was just as straightforward as they really just flew all the way around and then pushed, I guess they probably did. I don't know, but I was, it is an impressive shot. 
Um, I have more notes on Ebert saying it's the only good shot in the film. <laughs> well, he says it's the best. It is the best, but he the, the, by implications sort of implies that the rest of it yeah. is terrible, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. But um, so in this movie, Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt have uh, sex for the first time on the beach. What a and nightmare. I was like, nice. That's a nightmare. <laughs> no, I agree. It's a total what nightmare. What a nightmare. Sand. Sand Ugh. in places there should Ugh. never be sand, yeah. and, and especially the fr- oh, such and it was probably about. cold. Yeah, and mm. like windy and uh, yeah, mm. no, not not ideal, not ideal. <laughs> uh, he, I love during that scene, he says to her, "You're gonna go off to college in the fall and fall in love with some head shaving." Or no, she says to him, to Freddie yeah. Prince Jr., and fall in love with some head-shaving, tattoo-covered philosophy student. And I was like, I mean... Mm. Uh, I mean, we were both like, <laughs> I don't see a problem with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this was maybe like the dumbest thing that happened in the movie to me. When they're trying to move the body off of the road. Oh, gosh, yeah. Johnny so Galecki's dumb. character just shows up he drives up in his truck he drives up in his truck like it just happens to be him i guess and they send uh they send julie over to distract him Mm -hmm. but the way it's edited he he was right there with the truck headlight he's right there he 1000 percent saw them moving that body we see them carrying the body across the street and then through his headlight a reverse shot he's like 50 feet away in his truck i'm like He's seen. And then later on, after she gets the letter, uh, Julie's like, what if somebody saw us? And I was like, yeah, probably the guy who fucking saw you. We know Max saw you. He was literally just sitting there staring at you guys drag a body across the road. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's so dumb. Like, and I, I don't know. I guess this is just supposed to be part of his whole, like, red herring thing. Like, oh, he definitely saw them. But yeah. the way it's like shot and edited is so dumb. Yeah. I I was I was delighted by the quaint little uh department store, like the small town department store. Like we, we, first I'm like, oh, is it like is she work at like a, a men's dress store? Cause it's like you know, like a like a dress clothes store. Cause we, at first it looks like it's mostly like men's dress clothes. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, Oh, Helen's over at the the women's cosmetic counter. Yeah. And I was like Oh, is this a department store? It's so tiny. Like, it's it's so <laughs> tiny. It's so, uh, yeah, adorable. The little... departments are all just their own counters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, holy cow. They they have, like, a shirt. And yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> they have a, 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 a perfume. Yeah. I loved the scene where they were at the docks, like, right after. I guess this is when they go to find uh, Ray. Ray. They're all at the docks, and it's like a tasting menu of 90s sunglasses styles. Oh, yes, it really is. They're all wearing a different style of sunglasses that were popular in the 90s. Yep. Uh, Eventually, after, I think this is right after Max gets murdered, I was like, at this point, I'm like, okay. Or at some point right around here, I was like, okay, the only options for who the killer is is that it's Ray. Or that it is an entirely random unknown person. It was just sort of entirely it was an random. It was an like, entirely that, random. That's, that's it. Person. Like it's just it's some nobody that will never. <laughs> or it's Ray. Like those are the only two options. Uh, like after Max was killed. Um, yeah. I don't remember when this happened or who did this, but the next thing I have written in my notes is "You're gonna die." Punch. 
which I found really funny. I remember finding that really funny. I don't know what that is. But I don't remember. I think it might have been Barry when he was mad at Ray. Oh, maybe. yeah, I think like, you're right. You're yeah, going to die. Yeah, he, does, yeah punch. he punches He punches Ray in the face. Yeah. Because yeah. he thinks it's Ray or something like that. He's like convinced it's Ray or something. Something yeah. about that moment just really tickled me. Yeah. Uh, in the scene where Julie and Helen go to visit uh, uh, Anne Heche uh, with Missy, is it Missy? Is that her yeah. name? When they go to visit her, Julie, <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt is wearing like this maxi skirt thing, like this floor length skirt and like a, a sweater. And she is pulling it off in ways that Kristen Stewart in Twilight wishes she could. It is a very yeah. good look on her. And it's such a weird, co- like, I don't know. It's just like, it, it's such ugly clothing, but it somehow worked. I guess when you're Jennifer Love Hewitt, like all clothes just work. Like it's whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So when we get onto the boat at the end, the boat of the killer, Julie sees that he has like this lair with a bunch of like pictures of them and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, damn, he got some of those pictures developed fast. Mm -hmm. Because some of them are from that morning. Yeah. They're like of the parade. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe the bottom of his boat, he has a dark room, apparently. (laughs) He goes down into the ice chest room and develops (laughs) pictures. I really thought when in that scene where the the killer gets into Sarah Michelle Gellar's house and we see him like go in the closet, we see at one point she's going to walk up the stairs and we see him like get up the stairs and go around the corner right before she gets there. And I really thought we were going to get the Hitchcock stair shot, mm-hmm. which if you've watched, I think it's in Psycho um, and it might be in other ones, but there's like a very famous shot of like uh, somebody falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I think, it, yeah, it's Psycho. I'm probably pretty sure. And I really thought we were going to get that, but we don't get that. And then also in her bedroom, I was like, I want a bedroom that just has three gigantic floor to ceiling windows like surrounding my bed. Her bed is like in this the room. It's like a rounded like sort of like room uh, in the corner of the house, I guess. And yeah, there's these giant windows all the way around her bed. She has a really nice room. She really does. She has like the nicest room. I was impressed by that. Question we both had at the end of this movie, uh, when Julie is on the boat, she gets tricked into going onto the killer's boat because mm-hmm. uh, she thinks it's Ray for a minute. And then the killer like knocks, he like clotheslines Ray and is like, oh, come with me. I'll make sure you're safe, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then starts taking them out to sea. And so she's on this boat and she's panicking because she figures out that he's the killer and i'm like girl can you swim yeah because you live in a fishing you live town in a fishing so town i would think on you could i would take my chances i'd be like hmm stay on this boat with a murderer yeah. or see if i can swim 20 it's, feet it's, back to it's shore not storming. i'll take my chances yeah, it's not with, storming. The, with the water the water's not particularly choppy it's not storming and it's not like when it's summer it's not yeah. like it's free you know yeah it's not like the it's like she's gonna jump in and like freeze to death in 10 minutes it's like i i don't know yeah i thought the same thing i was like oh, just take off your sweater take off your shoes just jump, jump in, in the ocean go swim. yeah 
so this movie isn't incredibly shot, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, Ebert was like, oh, the best shot's the first one in the movie. And the first shot is impressive. But there are some perfectly fine horror shots in this movie. There was one in particular. It's the scene where she finds Johnny Galecki's body in her trunk, mm-hmm. where the camera does this big sweeping dolly around her car as she like walks to the back, which was really good. And there's a handful of like really good horror shots. And I was like, that. Eh, all right, Ebert, calm down. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Uh, my disagreement with Ebert on many things is is, is well documented on the show, but it's just another moment where I was like, oh, come on. Also, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is just serving looks throughout this movie. This yeah. is the one where she, after her hair gets chopped off, she comes out and she's wearing, I don't even know what she's wearing. It's like these high-waisted like yoga pant looking things, <laughs> a like a blue and, sports bra. Yeah, like a crop top kind it of It looks like bra, a bra, basically, yeah. like a sports bra. And then this this big black like a newsboy-esque cap. cap. Oh my god, it's such a <laughs> such a look. It's fantastic. It's very uh 1997. Yeah. Uh and then Ray on the boat. At one point, Ray is fighting the hook guy. Mm-hmm. And Ray grabs like a fishing uh like one of those spears they use to like pull fish out of the water like it's like a six foot long like pole arm basically and he's fighting a guy with a six inch long ice hook and he loses that (laughs) fight i'm like buddy you can't lose that fight you have all the reach in the world and a poking instrument, and you lose to a guy who literally just has a hook, you just poke him until he <laughs> dies. Like, it's easy. There's a reason that in, like, wars back in the day, every foot soldier had a spear. It's because they're easy to use, and they're better than every other weapon because you have way more range. And he just, I was like, how do you lose that fight? How? How? So so stupid. My last note is just, wow, that ending. Yeah. It's a heck of an ending. He gets his hand chopped off in the block and tackle, and oh no, I oh. was I was talking about oh the the the, 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 the sequel the bait sequel tease bait with the yeah. It where, is something where else. somebody comes something crashing, comes through, the crashing through the glass. I assume that in the second movie we open with that, and it ends up being like a red herring or something yeah. because they're her and Freddie Prince Jr. are in the sequel. Yeah, and from what I read on IMDb, like the premise is like. They're at like a they go on like vacation together to a resort and then shit goes crazy at the resort. So it's huh. it's not her like this is not like the like murderer. she doesn't die right no there. or or even like it can't be the murderer or anything because yeah. it's it, it like I said they go to a resort or I guess it could and something I don't know but yeah from everything I, I, I my guess is it ends up being like if I assume that the second movie probably starts right there and mm-hmm. then it ends up being something weird like. Yeah. Like a again, like no, a red. I've never seen the second movie. I don't think I probably will. I'm not particularly interested. I'm not interested. particularly interested either. It's got worse reviews than this one. Um I did enjoy this movie, but it was it was fun. Uh Katie, before we wrap up, we wanted to mention you can do us a giant favor by heading over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Uh support us there for two, five, or fifteen dollars a month. You can also support us on Facebook or go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, follow us on all the social media. Uh, and 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 keep track of us there. Uh, if you are a patron at the fifteen dollar level, you get to make a an Academy Award request, which means you get to to request a film or a book for us to do, uh, and it will move towards the front of the queue. And this one, in fact, was a patron request. Who by? This was a patron request from Gray Hightower. Thank you, Gray. Uh, we had a lot of fun watching and talking about this movie. But now it's time, Katie, for the final verdict. 
Now, <laughs> are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. This is a tricky one because the only thing that the book and movie truly share is a premise. Yeah. Four friends who commit a crime together and are later targeted by someone who really wants them to pay for it. Anyone choosing between these two is, I think, going to be heavily influenced by what they're looking for in that type of story. The book is a fairly serious thriller that's pretty bloodless, but examines issues of guilt and personal responsibility. It's fairly standard YA fare in that its goal is ultimately to convey a message about morality. The movie is fairly standard slasher horror blockbuster fare of the time mm -hmm. period. Its goal is to have fun and not much else. While the urban legend-esque premise of the film is a little soapy and silly, I understand why the film went that route rather than the more serious plot lines that the book employs. Both the stories slash mediums accomplish what they set out to do, which, again, were two very different things. It's almost impossible to even semi-objectively deem one better yeah, because, yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's going to depend on what you are looking for in this kind of story. I enjoyed the movie's subtle changes to its four main characters, as well as the increased number of red herrings and twists and turns. But what it really boils down to for me is that I just plain old had more fun watching the movie than I did reading the book. And again, I think that is intentional yeah. on both sides. Yep. But for me, that is the main reason that I'm going to give this one to the movie. There you go. Katie's choosing the movie this week but katie what about next time what are we talking about in two weeks time well coming up next we are going to do something that we have not done in a while yeah which is a listener's choice mm -mm -mm. and our listener's choice is going to be back to school themed so we have some options that are uh common commonly found on the curriculum in at least here in america mm -hmm. So our listeners' choice will be between The Great Gatsby, To Kill a Mockingbird, and The Outsiders. Wow. Yep. Three classics. Mm -hmm. I've only read... No, I've read two of those. I did not read The Outsiders. I have read all three of those. Yeah. Yeah, I read Great Gatsby and To Kill a Mockingbird, but did not read The Outsiders for whatever reason. Missed that one in high school. Cool. That could be fun. Yeah, that, that's, a, mm -hmm. that's a fun idea, and I think that'll be interesting to see... Um, yeah, I'm very interested Aren't, to there see. There are several great Gatsby movies, though, isn't there? There, There's at like least two, two that yeah. I know of. I am more interested in looking at the 2013. Oh, okay. One. I've not seen that one. I, think I haven't I, either. I think I watched the older one in like in high school, like when we read mm -hmm. it or whatever. And I've seen To Kill a Mockingbird. We for sure watched that like with the book, mm -hmm. you know, back in, when I read that in like middle school or whatever. Um, Outsiders I've never read or seen, so... Uh, that's exciting. I am looking for... I actually... I don't want to spoil the poll, but I do have one that I hope wins. I'm just not going to say I mean, say I also is. have one that I hope wins, but I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> we won't, we, won't, uh, we won't influence the poll. I will be putting up these polls uh, like either the day after or the day after after 
this episode okay. goes up. Cool. So be on the lookout for that and let us know which of those three required reading classics there you, you would like us to cover. So that's another uh, great reason to follow us on all of the social media so that you can vote in that poll and pick what we talk about next time. And until that time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being awesome. awesome.